Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, July 7th. Creative industries still have a long way to go before they become truly inclusive. That's according to Samuel Ross, designer and founder of the London-based label A Coldwall, an industrial and product design studio, SRA. A few weeks back, Samuel and I had a conversation on stage at WPP Stream during the annual Cannes Lion International Festival of Creativity. He shared the early progress that has come from creating the Samuel Ross Black British Artist Grant Programme. 
it was really about making sure that we identify the problem. There's not enough diversity in the sector for high achievers who should be there. This week on the BOF podcast, we explore Samuel's creative processes, his approach to engaging younger customers, as well as his mission to build a more inclusive creative sector. Here's Samuel Ross on the BOF podcast. Before we have the next speakers on, I just want to let you know that these speakers have flown in just for this one session. They've only got 15 minutes and they've basically done 36 hours of travel between them to get here for this 15 minutes. So it's uber special and they're both too modest and humble to tell you. So it's my great pleasure to introduce Imran Ahmed, the founder of Business and Fashion, and Samuel Ross, a founder of A Cold War. Imran, over to you. Quite an intro, thank you, Ella. Back in 2013, a then relatively unknown Virgil Abloh appointed Samuel Ross to be his first design assistant on his fashion brand Pyrex Vision. A couple of years later, at the ripe age of 24, Sam launched his own luxury brand, A Cold Wall. In 2015, he went on to ex- collaborate with Nike, Converse, and Doc Martens. In 2019, he launched the product and industrial design studio Samuel Ross & Associates, where he co-created a Hublot watch, worked on perfume bottles with Aqua de Parma, and headphones with Beats by Dr. Dre. And this year, he came out as an artist with an exhibition of paintings and sculpture at the White Cube Gallery in London. Samuel, you are what people call a multidisciplinary creative, fashion, product design, furniture design, digital design, and most recently, contemporary art. How does working across creative disciplines push your work forward? Firstly, thank you for the gracious introduction, Imran, and I'm glad to be here with all of you. Um, Thank you. I think it's this notion of kind of considering that any type of inspirational engagement that we have, whether it be myopic or or macro, whether it be a small moment engaging with temperature and environment and architecture or macro moments of reflection and peace, all can be expanded upon and extrapolated to develop a position and a perspective. And I try not to operate across a hierarchy when it comes to creativity. I care as much about the texture of like a raw cut glass as much as I do about the reverence of a chapel. And that type of rhetoric or philosophy has developed into a formula almost to kind of integrate luxury and specific creative expressive experiences into multiple categories. So there is no high or low to a degree. Everything within the 24-hour cycle should be considered as an engagement to be a little bit more specific. So that's a very, I'd say, democratic approach to design, doing away with this idea of high design, which is also something I would associate with Gen Z and millennial Customers, oftentimes the generation that you represent, the cohort you come from. What do we understand, need to understand about these customers, this Gen Z and millennial mindset when it comes to design, especially when it comes to digital design and aesthetics? We spent a little bit of time earlier talking about AI, and we'll get to that in a minute. But like this blend between digital and physical is really becoming super critical to anyone who works with design, and that's only going to continue. Completely. I think that um, there are two points there, right? One is the shorter 
amount of time you kind of have to expose the Gen Z and millennial audience on social services to a particular new idea or product. And with that in mind, it's actually kind of created this new trend shift in terms of physical object and digital object. You know, something Virgil and I would talk about is the necessity for logo amplification and the continued increasing of visibility when it came to texture on fabric or cloth for digital surfaces, whether it came down to having a counter product that existed only in AR and VR, and that's something we've kind of tried to embrace. For example, the price positioning of a piece of furniture which would sell for Friedman Bender is, of course, a one of eight edition. It's going to sell for 50 to 60,000 pounds it's not necessarily democratic in its nature. Though the ideology and the underpinning and the context of why the piece is created doesn't necessarily need to have a barrier to entry. And to do that, we've started to leverage social, VR, AR, gamified experiences, opening new licensing contracts, to be able to supplement art and design into wider macro commercial circumstances. Beyond that, there's also the idea of play, coming in and you know gen z and millennial for the most part we're almost digitally native and how do you kind of lighten the load on heavier topics through play and engagement how do you kind of take a physical object one cannot touch because it may only be retailed in a particular geo and supplement that into their immediacy through ar through vr through the idea of taking let's say a chair which is not sentient but leveraging the characteristics and the freedom of physics in digital space to add new character. What if you can stretch and bend and fold and animate that chair? What if you can release digital specific and site-specific opportunities for that chair to be purchased online only? And it's not necessarily about the cost of the purchase in VR and AR, it's more the exposure on the native digital channels. And we're using play as a handshake with the audience base to get onto those channels and to build a new relationship through product and add new characteristics to product. I'm curious how you bring that design philosophy into fashion. And you and I were just chatting for someone who started out as a fashion designer. You've been quite quiet on the fashion communication front. So what people here might typically associate with a fashion designer is doing fashion shows or working in big fashion houses, but you haven't done a fashion show in three years. So how are you taking that expressive, playful approach to engaging with customers into fashion? Completely. I think that, you know, across COVID, the last fashion show we did was Milan Men's Fashion Week in January 2020, so just before you know the thorough spout of lockdown kicked in, we decided to kind of re-pivot the brand's priority. At that point, I think at year three, we were looking at more so establishing a placement within luxury. After the debut, and of course with COVID in mind, we decided to really just start focusing on revenue and marginality. We actually pivoted away from the you know, company P&L being allotted to quite heavy marketing in runways and actually went into brokering new regional license partnerships and then opening up regional mono and concession stores. So over the last few years, although there's been no, as you rightly said, no real focus on runway in a traditional sense, we've actually just been focusing on the audience and the consumer and looking at how we can take much more of like a global approach to activating Shanghai, Guangzhou, Seoul, reinvigorating some of the stores, mono stores we've had in Selfridges and Harrods for the past four to five 
five years and strengthening the focus on brand partnership for more organic exposure across category in collaborations. That's really been the main focus. How do we kind of move away from the... I guess, over-accessibility at times with the runway and the hard sell on runway and really focus on the cadence of what it means to come into a Samuel Ross space or into an, a Cold War space and actually pouring a lot more of our marketing efforts in, into that remit. Okay, well, that might not be the news that everyone here in the advertising space wants to hear. But yesterday you dropped an Instagram yes. with these new Nike collab sneakers and you were just citing the statistics to me Backstage, Talk to us about what happened when you dropped those. And in today's fashion world, while you don't need a runway to put those on, you can just drop those on Instagram and sell tons and tons of pairs. Absolutely. So we've been working with sportswear partners such as Nike for the past, like, five or six years now. And it's really just understanding the simplicity of the Veblen Goods model and how to kind of leverage that on social surfaces. And we haven't necessarily focused on over-communicating convertible goods that we wish to transact on. We haven't necessarily communicated on my channel in particular any type of commercial product for about a year and a half. And it's more so just looking at having like a midterm calendar and more so allocating where you know those revenues and capital is really going to be achieved across like a, a fiscal calendar or across an annual calendar. So with this, we really just leaned into scarcity model, founder-driven as founder as brand. In this so was age. it a surprise? No one knew those were coming? Is that why? Yeah, they- so, so we had a soft leak via Nike's channel's maybe a month what's ago. a soft leak a soft leak is kind of driven by the uh, intentional leak uh, well <laughs> what is it what, what what is a leak now <laughs> so that that a went strategic out. leak yeah, that, maybe that. that that went out but it wasn't necessarily owned by myself or by the brand it's almost a litmus test in the market to be honest whilst we're still kind of allocating our purchase orders to come across the quarter It did relatively well, but this moment was really about the brand and myself having a specific colorway, which is a lot more personable with the core audience in place and driving all of our chips into that moment. So, of course, you know, we're talking about Gen Z millennial audience, which I'm part of. You start to understand the cadences of what good impressions look like. And we're talking about an image posted 17 hours ago with 24,000 likes. 700 comments, cross-discipline, cross-category. And the reality is, in this day and age, that does equate to a selfie that we know will Do you have any sense of what 24,000 likes means in terms of conversion to sales? Absolutely. There's a ratio metric there. I mean, if you're kind of hitting 4,000 likes within 85-minute period, if you have 1,500 units, you're probably looking at like an 85%, 90% sell-through. So we know we can now actually increase our PO just off the back of the response. On the basis of no paid marketing, no performance marketing, just a strong image with a strong product. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. We've dabbled in paid. Paid marketing is actually the enemy at times. It's more so, I know that's difficult, but it is really the enemy for like, especially for independent brands, which are founder-driven, focused primarily on less SKUs, less styles, smaller POs. It's really about driving the founder-consumer connection where possible and the campaign produced around the the drop imagery is of course as a team myself and the team are really chiseling away at that for a good four months to really just ensure that we have the highest rate of conversion there but it needs to feel as soft and supple and organic as possible i wanted to conclude with maybe a more substantive question you know maybe five years ago if you asked a group of people here what the fashion industry looks like in terms of the people leading and shaping the fashion industry, they wouldn't necessarily expect 
a former McKinsey South Asian guy and a black creative like you as people who are leaders in the industry. You and I recently had a very brief run-in outside a nightclub in London where you were really upset. Indeed. And you said to me, Imran, you see, things still haven't changed. So as a message here to a predominantly establishment crowd, like what needs to change for us to continue to see progress for people and representation of those of us who've been marginalized by industries like fashion and advertising and creative industries? It's such a a solid point to make because I haven't been that riled up since my teen years. You know, I've been fortunate to not be exposed to that level of prejudice for some time. And it was a sharp remember that the world can change in our small pockets, but it is still fundamentally that experience for the wider POC community. And I think that there are two points there, right? One is change looks like opportunity for those who have the skills or, or the capacity and the EQ and IQ to move forward. It looks like a network of partnerships being brokered between small SMEs and startups and larger conglomerates when, you know, really looking at SMEs and startups who have a roster of talent that is almost well situated to integrate into the sector. I think integration versus separation is obviously number one. And the second point to, you know, moving this beyond a sentiment or feeling over the past few years, to be honest, I was tweeting about this stuff a lot and I kind of had to look in the mirror and say, well, what am I actually going to do about this? So with the profits of both SRA and a Cold War, we actually established a fund. It's the Black British Artist Grant Fund where we allocate 25 to 35,000 pounds to you know, 10 to 12 artists and small startups across the UK annually. And beyond just having a fund, which comes from our pocket, it's not just about the money that these startups and individuals need, it's the recognition, right? And it's the placement that they're high achievers. They're just out of the ether. They're out of the loop. Maybe they didn't go to the right school. Maybe they don't have the network. Maybe that's the issue. So we decided to actually build an advisory board the advisory board is formed of, you know, the BFC, Caroline Rush is on the board, the RCA by way of Dr. Paul Thompson and, and Johnny Ive and Anita Templer. We have the Design Museum in London on the board. We have Westminster University on the board. It was really about making sure that we identify the problem. There's not enough diversity in the sector for high achievers who should be there. B, SMEs and startups often need a jolt of cash. C, they also need the network. How do we build accreditation? And that program has now been running for four years, and we've seen some of these artists kind of go from Nottingham to represent Britain in the Venice Biennale. Like, Matt Collins has gone through the program. He represented us this year. Rhea Dillon, who's a brilliant poet and writer, she went through the program. She's had her opening solo at Tate Britain only last week. You know, Nefemi Marcus Bello, an incredible Nigerian-British industrial designer, he won the Hublot Design Serpentine Prize in September. So we're actually seeing proof of concept come about now. And that moment, to be honest, just put more fire in my belly to corral more partners and make sure we connect these dots so we don't have to have those moments occur again. Thank you so much, Samuel. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for your time. The BOF Podcast is edited and produced by Emma Clark and Eric Bria in the BOF Studio team. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. 
The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.